Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code POWERTRIP20 for free shipping and 20% off. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Packages shower products. All of Manscaped's shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code POWERTRIP20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com just use that promo code powertrip20 manscaped get your jingle balls ready for the holidays The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz, right here on the TMPT feed, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, talking about the greatest matches, moments, and feuds of all time predicating in that Hogan Era 1984 to 1993, a.k.a. the Golden Era a.k.a. the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire. Each and every week here on the show, we're talking about some of the great feuds and moments. I mean, we're talking about Rowdy Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, The Undertaker, Kamala, and so many others. We're actually right now up to episode number 70, so 70 episodes now. For the Hogan era, and it is the greatest era in wrestling, so it's easy to talk about, it's fun to talk about, and it's one of those eras that will never be forgotten. It is the era, like I said, and like I always said, that made Vince McMahon this retired billionaire, and obviously Hulk did pretty well for himself as, as well. He means the top of the mountain, the top of the heap, the king of the castle, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each and every week here, we're always kind of breaking down these feuds, right, and these different things. And lately we've been talking about guys, you know, that he wrestled and guys that were in the Hogan era for an extended period of time. But, you know, it's almost like, wow, um, uh, uh, trying to find some rare matches or like, wow, I can't believe Hogan. Like last week, Hogan and Macho reformed the Mega Powers in 92 and randomly on a house show in Amarillo, Texas, fought Jake the Snake Roberts and the Berserker. It's one of those things where, you know, it's it's you're getting into like, wow, this is awesome. Like I never knew him and Berserker wrestled together. I got a message somebody that was mentioning that too. Berserker and Hogan in the same ring together. What the hell? You know, obviously besides maybe Royal Rumble ninety two, but it's like, wow, that's so fascinating, so interesting. So today I want to talk about somebody that was a huge part of the Hogan era, basically for, you know, from beginning to almost beginning to end, really. Think about it, the Hogan era. I mean, he was there for a very, very long time. Wrestled Hogan a little bit, not much, but he was in a bunch of main event matches with the Hulkster, and we'll get into that, of course. But, of course, we're talking about Rick the Model Martell. He's one of those guys that, when you look at it in, in the grand scheme of things, was he underappreciated? Was he one of those guys that kind of flew under the radar underrated? 100%, yes. I mean, with him, if you look at it, he's a former AWA world champion, but so many people would mention like, oh, he was a world champion. Yes. And when the AWA was still rocking and rolling and still making a ton of money and wasn't during the dying days. So yes, he was a former AWA champion. Yes. He's obviously a former three time WWF world tag team champion, but I feel like a lot of people are just remembering the strike force run with Tito Santana and maybe not remembering the two other runs in the early eighties with Tony Gurria. So to me, it's like, okay, you know, a lot of people remember maybe Rick the model or think mid card, upper mid card, mid carter or upper mid carter. But man, he had a great career and a great run. I mean, he had some legendary matches with the Nature Boy Ric Flair, Stan Hansen. If you go to All Japan for Wrestling, he had some great classics over there as well. If you look at the Pacific Northwest, he was a heavyweight champion there. He was a three time tag team champion with Rowdy Piper. Um, there's so many things with uh, Rick the model Martel to me that would lead me to believe he's kind of underappreciated and not talked about in the likes of some of the greats where he should be, because he was definitely one of them. Love me some Rick DeMotto Martel. I think he's just an absolute legend in this business, but the, the like the casual fan, the modern fan, whatever you want to say, maybe the fans are not a historian and don't know as much. I feel like they don't appreciate Rick Martel as much. Even, uh, you know, you hear some other shows talk about, like, oh, Martel, but they never mentioned he's a former world champion. Yes, he's a former AWA world champion. And, you know, they'll always mention maybe his feud with Jake the Snake or something like that. But th there's more to Rick Martel than that. He had a hell of a career 
and a, and a hell of a run. I feel like he needs to be put back, you know, towards that, maybe not that mountaintop that Hulk's on, but, you know, he's got to be, you know, heading up that mountain because he's definitely, to me, one of the all-time greats. Love me uh, some Rick Martel. But really, with the Hogan era, we're talking about Rick Martel, and we want to, you know, focus in on him and, and kind of where he started and what happened to him in his run. And obviously talk about the matches that he had with Hulk Hogan. His first match in the WWF was for the WWF in 1980. So 7-8-1980, he defeated Lindsey Lyle on a championship wrestling TV taping from Allentown, PA. And as you go through, obviously, um, he would have a bunch of different kind of tag partners but i think really the first one he had was dominic danucci and they had a brief feud with the wild samoans off and sika and obviously didn't end up winning any tag titles there but they had a great feud with them he would often team with andre the giant and battle the wild samoans as well sometimes you know, throw in some rick mcgraw but mostly andre and dominic danucci were kind of his first tag team partners then he finds a partner of his choosing that works really well and that would of course be tony korea on 11 8 1980 basically four months into his run rick martell and tony korea defeated afa and sika on the prison network on tv from the philly spectrum in philly pa match went about 14 minutes or so but tony korea and rick martell defeated the wild Samoans for the tag team titles on november 8th 1980 and obviously they would go on to hold those titles twice and if you look at it and look at his run, it's like, wow, you know, didn't realize, you know, maybe that he was pre-Hogan era then, and that he really kind of started before even really Hogan was a big name or got there. Yeah, you know, Hogan came in and out during that time period, but I'm talking about the real blue, true blue Hogan era. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't a big part of it really until 1985, if, if you really kind of look into it. But I really even say 1986, because in 1984, 12, 26, 1984, Martel and Bravo defeated King Tonga, which is Haku and Nick Bockwinkle, at an international race, wrestling slash WBF show in Quebec City, Canada. And obviously, um, uh, Quebec City is in Quebec, Canada. Uh, 12 1985, for the AWA world title, a part of a WWF international wrestling show, Rick Martel defended his AWA world heavyweight championship and defeated Jimmy Garvin. Then on 5 13, 1986, Rick Martel defeated Michael Hayes in quebec city and at another taping and then really when he comes back into the fold back into the wwf and it's during the hogan era and he basically stays there from 86 to 1993 it's 10 28 1986 can-am connection the team of rick martell and tom zink defeated moondog spot and steve lombardi at a superstars of wrestling taping number 11 at the Veterans Memorial Arena in Binghamton, New York. Match only went about three minutes. Then, of course, the Can-Am Connection, as they're so aptly named. Obviously, one man from Canada being Martel, one man from America being Zank, Can-Am Connection. Pretty good name. Always loved that name as a kid. Always thought that was a pretty cool name. On 10-29-1986, Wrestling Challenge, taping number 12, Glens Fall, New York, can-Am Connection defeated Barrio and the Gladiator, who, of course, was Rick Hunter. That match went about three minutes and 30 seconds. Their first big match was on 11-14-1986 when the British Bulldogs, David Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid, defeated the Can-Am Connection via DQ in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. When they really kind of started rocking and rolling and, and getting the ball rolling on, on their career, you know, they had a, a, 
obviously matches on superstars and challenge like i mess mentioning they're obviously wrestling on all the house shows there's a big superstars taping on 1587 where bob orton the magnificent morocco pretty great team defeated the can-am excuse me went to a double dq with the can-am connection superstars number 20 at the brendan burn arena in east rutherford new jersey of course that is my home away from home uh, in east rutherford new jersey bunch of wins on house shows defeating the dream team of beefcake and valentine so getting some huge wins on 119 1987 the can-am connection defeated the dream team beefcake and valentine at 18 minutes 30 seconds madison square garden new york city a part of the wbf on msg network tv show so big time win there on tv in 1987 when you just kind of go through and, and look at, at their run, not only are they beating the Dream Team and getting big wins, they're also on a house show defeating the Heart Foundation. Then they're also defeating Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik as we roll through 1987. So they are getting uh, quite a bit of a nice run here. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, them and the Killer Bees are teaming up on house shows to defeat Heart Foundation and Demolition in an eight-man tag. Demolition actually defeats and uh, the Canada Connection, excuse me, go to a draw on 210-1987. And that match was from Portland, Oregon. So, I mean, they're keeping them very, very strong. There's a Superstars taping number 25 on 216-87 where Lenny Poffo and the Canada Connection defeated Adrian Adonis and the Dream Team. About three minutes, 30 seconds. Really, you know, good, crisp, nice win there for the Can-Am Connection. As they're kind of going through, they're not really facing too many defeats. They do lose on 3-8-1987 in a WWF World Tag Team title match to the Hart Foundation, of course, at the Brendan Byrne Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. There is a tag team tournament held in East Rutherford on that same day. So what happened was the tag team tournament when you win that tournament, you go on to face the Hart Foundation later on in the day. So Hart Foundation ends up winning and defending the titles, but Can-Am Connection had three matches before that. They're beating the Dream Team. They're beating Spivey and Morales. They're beating um, Bundy and Orndorff by countout. Um, actually, even they had had another round that they, they had um, a fourth round there, and they beat it to Killer Bees. So, wow, um, basically five matches in one night. What a damn show. I mean, that's one of those shows where um, I wish that was filmed or something. I got to get my um, hands on that. I mean, that that sounds like quite, quite a great show there for the Can-Am Connection getting four big wins, but losing to the Heart Foundation, as they should in the in the, uh, the final there for the titles. Can-Am Connection would defeat Johnny K-9, a very, very famous bruiser bedlam who had a nice dark side of the ring well not so nice but good episode dark side of the ring k9 and steven lombardi teamed up they lost the can-am connection on 3 10 1987 superstars taping number 29 from the hara arena in dayton ohio then we have the frank tunney memorial tag team tournament which was held in toronto ontario canada which was frank tunney's his you know his territory if you will of course he is the father of the legendary president of the wbf jack tunney the first round, the Can-Am Connection defeated Spivey and Jerry Allen in 10 minutes. Then the semifinal round, Demolition defeated the Can-Am Connection by a countout in 9 minutes and 20 seconds. The winners of that tournament match were actually the Killer Bees as they defeated the Demolition in the finals, which then, of course, once you win the tournament, you go on to face the Tag Team Champions. And the Hart Foundation beat the Killer Bees later on that night to retain 
50 tag team titles. Really cool match on 318, 1987 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin elimination match. Rick Martell, the Crusher, and Jake the Snake defeated Adrian Donna's King Harley Race and the Honky Tonk Man. I love when they used to do those elimination matches. So cool, so different. Uh, obviously, it would then become the Survivor Series and get very popular, and it would be an annual tradition. But I mean, I, I just love when they would do those on house shows and stuff and MSG Network. Really, really good stuff. Superstars 32, 32187, Can Am Connection defeated Barrio and Dusty Wolf. Great team there. Of course, we'll go to WrestleMania 3, Bigger, Better, Better, Pontiac Silverdome and Pontiac, Michigan. The Can Am Connection defeated Bob Horton and Don Morocco in five minutes and 30 seconds. Really, really, obviously, big win there for the Can Am Connection. They would defeat many months later the Hart Foundation in a dark match by DQ basically a few times in a row so they would not be able to win the tag titles but they do get a pretty damn big win over the hard foundation when you kind of just go through martel's run and you're really looking at it with um you know, 1987 is concerned. They decide to split off it, and Zinc obviously is gone from the company, and, and he goes on his own little singles run here. Has a brief little feud with um, Tama and Haku, beating them on uh, house show matches. Martel and Junkyard Dog end up defeating the Islanders on MSG, on the Nessa Network from Boston. Then on the Prism Network, Martel ends up defeating Tama, Tama Tonga there, um, Tama, the, head, uh, the Islanders, in about 15 minutes. 30 seconds on the uh, prison network in Philly PA. So Martel will go on and do some tag teaming with George, the animal steel until the time comes like, okay, we probably need to, you know, form another team with Martel. See what he's got. Let's form strike force. Their first technical match was on eight, four, 1987 part of superstars. Number 51 from Madison, Wisconsin, Martel and Tito Santana, his new tag partner defeated tiger Chung Lee and Steve Lombardi, a.k.a. Brooklyn brawler in three minutes. He would go on and continue to have one-on-one matches with Haku and, Tama in a bunch of house shows. Haku gets a big win on the Prism Network, 8 15, 1987, about 15 minutes, a long match. But as we kind of go on and we continue through, <clears throat> Strike Force and the Islanders do become a pretty big feud, and they're fighting on a ton of house shows. And of course, a big MSG show, 9 21, 1987, the Islanders. Haku and Tama defeated the Strike Force, Martel, and Tito in 14 minutes. And then there was a big two out of three falls match where the strike force defeated the Islanders again on the MSG network in New York city, a month later, 10, 16, 87, and really um, kind of cemented their victory in that feud. I know they would go on and, and continue on and have a bunch of house show matches after that, but uh, they win that match two out of three falls. Then there's a big title change, 10, 27 1987 superstars taping number 61 from the war Memorial in Syracuse, New York, the Strike Force Tito and Rick the Model Martel. Well, not really the model, yeah, but Rick Martel defeated the Hart Foundation in about nine minutes and become the new tag team champions. They would go on, of course, to defeat the Islanders in a bunch of matches, even having steel cage matches on house shows where they're getting some big wins, superstar taping wins over the Islanders, just you know, really, really cementing uh, themselves as the tag team champions. They'll have a rematch on 11 2047 with the Hart Foundation, which the Strike Force win via DQ. Of course, that was part of the MSG Network, New York, New York. 
Survivor Series comes around, and the Strike Force, the Bulldogs, the Killer Bees, and the Rougeau brothers and the Young Stallions defeated Demolition, the Bolsheviks, the Dream Team, the Hart Foundation, and the Islanders. Survivor Series 87, Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio, 11 26 87. Big win there in the inaugural Survivor Series for the Strike Force as we go on through 1988. They are really kind of. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Getting themselves over big time as being one of the greatest tag teams during just a great era of tag teams. I mean, I just named a bunch of them in that Survivor Series match there. It's just insane when you think about how many great teams were part of the WWF during that period. And Strike Force winning the titles, I mean, their legacy lives on forever and they will be remembered forever as far as just being one of the great tag teams. And it's just amazing if you think about it, like, wow, uh, you know, Demolition. Heart Foundation, Rougeau's, Killer Bees, put the Strike Force right in there. They were tag team champions. They had a nice run with the tag titles, getting big wins over a lot of good tag teams, including the Conquistadors. So on 327-1988, WrestleMania 4, what the world is watching, we're going to have a tag team title match. The Demolition defeated Strike Force in 12 minutes, 30 seconds. Good match there to win the tag titles from Trump Plaza in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Big win there for Demolition, who then will go on to have a record-breaking world tag team title run, which wasn't broken until the New Day. And then, of course, the Usos as well. When you go on and you continue through 88, there was a big feud between the Strike Force and Demolition. Strike Force would kind of exchange some wins and losses. They would obviously lose by pinfall and the Demolition would obviously be winning all the tag team title matches. And if they weren't winning, they would not be pinned. It would be by DQ or, or via countout. So as we kind of roll through and we have Rick Martel kind of you know, wanted to break off on his own. He's got a bunch, as we had 89, a bunch of one-on-one matches and really kind of thinking, well, hmm, is Martel breaking off on his own? Is he becoming a singles match? So then we'll go to WrestleMania 5. We'll go to the Mega Powers Explode. We'll go back to the Trump Plaza Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey. 4-2-1989, the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard defeated the Strike Force, Rick Martel and Tito Santana in 9 minutes and 15 seconds. Great match there. Love the finish. Obviously, we have Rick Martel walking out on Tito after a miscommunication, and you know what that means. It's the start of the model. The, the breakup and the gray feud, which lasted for many, many years, started right there at WrestleMania 5. Hey, was it Tito's fault? I don't know, but there was some miscommunication. And obviously, Martel ditches him, and that causes the team to lose, which then means that he's going to adopt the narcissistic character, the gimmick of the model. He used to love that he had the spray. He had the arrogance, what you want to call it, the, the atomizer, which sprayed the opponents in the eyes. Just absolutely loved that. He had that huge um, lapel pin. Yes, I am a model. He really turned that gimmick into something that you would think, like, wow, this is a terrible gimmick. But the way he played it off was so great. It was so good. He just hit it out of the park, hit a home run with it. And then you add in when he got away from those powdered blue tights and wore the pink tights. That's what everybody remembers him. And obviously, 
remember that Hasbro figure, but that's kind of one of the things you're like, man, that that just the perfect, you know, chef's kiss, perfect touch uh, to that gimmick. And as you kind of roll through, obviously, Heyman Tito had a very, very long few. They always had great matches together, was always very, very impressed with Tito and, and Rick the model and just. I don't know, I just always loved that feud. It's one of those feuds that I think if you're an old school true blue WBF fan, you will remember that quite, quite fondly. And both excellent workers and great characters for the time period. Let's forward fast forward all the way to SummerSlam 89, 8-29-1989. Rick the Model Martel and the Rougeau brothers defeated the Rockers and Tito Santana 15 minutes. SummerSlam 89, feel the heat at Atlanta's Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. As we kind of roll through and we're going through he was a part of the King of the Ring in 1989, where he lost in the finals in Providence, Rhode Island on 10-14-89 to Tito Santana. Continuing that feud, giving Tito a big win there. 11-23-89, Survivor Series, the Dream Team, Beefcake, Dusty Rhodes, Rooster, and Tito Santana defeated the Enforcers. Big Boss Man, Honky Tonk Man, Rick Martel, and Bad News Brown, 22 minutes. So it's one of those undercard feuds, but great undercard feuds that you just really love and you really kind of appreciate. And as you're kind of rolling through the years and you're going through Rick the Model Martel, you know, he's upper mid card. He wasn't necessarily, you know, a main event player or anything, but he did have, have a great run and he was doing some great things. And, you know, obviously when you look at it, did he have a big match at WrestleMania six the, the following year? Not really. He did defeat Coco Beware in about five minutes, 30 seconds, 4-1-1990, the ultimate challenge, Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario. Did not have a, a huge, you know, match there, but still, you know, a nice win for, for the model. And one of the biggest shows of the year, obviously one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time. So big win there. And as we're kind of, you know, going through, he's going to have, um, a brief little feud continuing on with like Jim Brunzel and, and uh, Roddy Piper, but really kind of continuing on his feud with Tito Santana. But let's talk about, um, actually we'll, we'll mention Survivor Series 1991 because he's, he's involved with Hogan there, but I want to actually mention Royal Rumble 1989, 115-89, Hogan and, um, Rick the Model Martell are in the same match together there. Obviously, that one's won by Big John Studd. They are both together in the Royal Rumble 1990, which was held at the Orlando Arena, Orlando, Florida. Martell obviously eliminated Hulk Hogan, does win that one, Royal Rumble 1990. One of my favorite Royal Rumbles. One of the most star-studded Royal Rumbles of all time. Just great stuff there. So let's go to Survivor Series 1990. The Visionaries, Hercules, Roma, Martell, and the Warlord defeated the Vipers, Jake the Snake, Jimmy Snuka, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, 17 minutes, 45 seconds. Survivor Series 1990, Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. That was, of course, 11 But that's not it. Then you go to the survival of all survivors, five-on-three handicap match in the main event. So the Visionaries all advance to the finals. Ted DiBiase advances to the finals as well. It's Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana defeating Hercules, Roma, Martel, DiBiase, and Warlord Hogan. And Model have brief interactions in that match as well. Of course, that match ended up being won by Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Then, as 1990 is hitting their stride, and we continue on into 1991, Jake the Snake Roberts has a big-time feud with Rick the Model Martel. And obviously, everyone's going to remember when Jake got blinded by arrogance and they had the blindfold match at WrestleMania. 
WrestleMania 7. The Royal Rumble happened before that, of course, in 1991. Martel was in that match as well. Always had a great showing, was always a great Rumble guy. They even Gorilla Monsoon and the announcers always mentioned how he was always a great Royal Rumble competitor. That Rumble in 91, of course, was won by the immortal Hulk Hogan as well. Like I mentioned, when we go to the blindfold match at WrestleMania, it was, of course, won by Jake the Snake Roberts. Stars and Stripes Forever, baby. 3-24-1991. Jake Roberts defeated Martel in 8 minutes and 30 seconds. Hogan and Martel would be in the same match again. Royal Rumble 1992. Every man for himself. Knickerbock Arena, Albany, New York. 1-19-1992. Rick Flair wins the vacant WWF World Heavyweight Championship. The next match and last match that Hogan is in with Rick Martel is on... 223-1992 MSG Network, New York, New York. Sid Justice wins a 20-man battle royal, like I mentioned, with Hogan and with uh, Martel, both in it as well. Big win for Sid Justice. Roddy Piper, in a big match in a house show, defended his Intercontinental title and defeated Rick Martel in Nashville, Tennessee on 3-8-1992. Then as we're kind of rolling along and we're going to WrestleMania 8, Martel loses a good one to Tatanka. Short one, though, four minutes, 30 seconds. Of course, that was in the Hoosier, zone, Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana, 4-5-1992. Big match, European Rampage again tour. Rick Martel loses to Bret Hart, and Bret Hart defended his Intercontinental title. Of course, that was on 4-19-1992 in South Yorkshire, England. As we're kind of rolling through, obviously, you know, he's kind of getting... I guess you would say de-pushed, if you will, in, in a certain way. He's not quite the, in the same position that he was once before, as he's kind of just on the mid-card or through the card. But he's helping guys like Tatanka, who I had a big feud with, and 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 Bret Hart, and guys get over and really helping that next crop of talent get over because he was really, you know, he was a big-time veteran at this point. He's fighting uh, Max Moon and losing, losing a bunch of matches to... Bret Hart kind of re-energizes a feud with El Matador, Tito Santana, in late 92 as well. I think a lot of people would remember his double count-out match versus Shawn Michaels, SummerSlam 1992, Wembley Stadium in London, England. Obviously, Sherry Martel was a big part of that match as well, but that was kind of a big stepping-up point for Shawn Michaels feuding with Rick Martel. Fights Jeff Jarrett, one of Jeff Jarrett's very first matches in the WF in 92. Loses to w, uh, WF World Champion Bret Hart in Peoria, Illinois on 10-25-92. And then has a bunch of world title matches all through the great state of California. And even stopping by Orlando, Florida and losing all WF title matches and the main event matches all through November of 1992 to Bret the Hitman Heart Survivor Series 92 rolls around 11 25 92. Tatanka defeated Rick Martel, Richfield Coliseum, Richfield, Ohio, in a pretty big match in the rise of the undefeated Tatanka. So, if you look at it and you're looking at his run, really, um, he is a part of, of um, Survivor Series 93. There's an elimination match. Janetti, Savage, Ramon, one, two, three, kid defeated Adam Bomb, Diesel, IRS, and Martel. 27 minutes, Boston, Massachusetts, there at the Boston Garden. That was on 11 24, 1993. Kind of one of his last real big matches, if you, if you want to say that. Big, big hurrah. I always love that babyface team of Savage, Ramon, one, two, three, kid, and Janetti. Savage was a nice little surprise there. He was a part of Royal Rumble 93. He was a part of Royal Rumble 94. 
as well. He was a part of the cool house show Royal Rumble in 94, won by Owen Hart. And, of course, a part of the official Royal Rumble on 122-94 in Providence, Rhode Island, where Bret Hart and Lex Luger both teamed up to win that one. He is a part of um, some title matches Really, if you look at it, a part of Raw and kind of the, the debut, not the debut, well, he was part of the debut of Raw and losing to Razor Ramon there as Ramon captures the IC title, but that was the, the year prior. But, you know, he is part of, of some, you know, big moments here in, in 93, 94 as we're going through Raw, but he was never really pushed quite the same. He'll be losing to Bob Backlund. He'll be losing to Dub Drosky. He'll be losing to Macho Man Randy Savage on house shows. He was never quite the same. He did beat Jim Power, shockingly, yes, still there in late 94 as we're going through the summer. And his real last match, a part of, of if you want to say, I guess you want to say his last match, part of the Hogan era to me, you know, considering the Hogan era, you could say was, um, I guess, the Intercontinental uh, title when Ramon defeated Martel on 9-27-1993, Raw number 35 from New Haven, Connecticut. But that's because Hogan's gone. He would continue, and that's the end of the Hogan era, yes, obviously. But as you continue on the WF all through 93 and through the summer of 94, his last match in 94 was 7-21-94 and losing, beating, excuse me, beating Jim Powers in a house show in Singapore. So that was his real last match in the WF. And then makes a little surprise appearance, a little surprise return, 122-1995, part of the Royal Rumble in the Sun Dome in Tampa, Florida. Shawn Michaels obviously wins that one, and that was Rick Martel's last ever match in the WWF. Obviously, like I mentioned, huge legend, somewhat underrated in, in the business. That's why I, I kind of went on longer than I thought I would talking about, him, just because he did so much and had such a good run there. Basically, you know, was part of the WWF three-time tag team champion. Strike Force, Rick the Bottle, feud with Jake the Snake Roberts was a big part of the Hogan era. One of those guys that will never be forgotten huge legend in the business so let's hit the plugs you can follow me on twitter and instagram at two man power trip check out the website tmptempire.com of course patreon patreon.com slash tmpt empire and head over to public tpublic.com slash store slash tmpt and pick up your hogan era t-shirt today thank you everybody for tuning in see you right back here next week little hogan era podcast see you next week folks this has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip where the power lies brother. WF Wrestling Challenge. Hello everyone, I'm Tony Schiavone along with Gorilla Monsoon and Gorilla. This Friday, a big day for the Macho King as well as Hulk Hogan. And certainly a big day for Iron Mike Tyson, the special guest referee. Tony, I don't think he knows what he got himself in for. Well, he'll find out very quickly. Right now, let's go to action.
Rick the Model Martel. For the first time since the announcement of the main event for WrestleMania 6, we will hear comments from Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, as well as more matches to be announced this week for WrestleMania 6. Tag team action for the Powers of Pain. Also single competition from Vito Bravo, as well as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But right now, let's take you back last week to the superstars of wrestling. The model Rick Martell unveils a new fragrance on the Brother Love Show. Introducing Arrogance, the fragrance of the 90s, created exclusively for the model, the man of the 90s. And you, if you people are lucky enough, I might spray some your way so you too can wear this unforgettable scent. A gorilla brother love apparently enjoyed the scent of arrogance. Well, he certainly needs it too. I'll tell you that. He should have got a couple of shots right in the kisser. Would have served him right. All right, now the model walking into the ring area for our feature matchup, and he is carrying arrogance with him. More ways than one. More ways than one. Make your final plans. Action gets underway at 1 p.m.
the best place for him right now. That's his outer hole right here. Well, that's smart thinking on the part of Rick Martel, the model. Anytime you're in deep trouble, you get out there and try to break the momentum of your opponent, and he did that quite nicely. The model with that cartwheel and a big smile on his face. It's not only his face right now, but earlier on we had a chance to talk to him, and he was smiling man. Let's listen to this. Take a look at me. A masterpiece in motion, a walking work of art. Yes, I've got it all. Looks, physique, ability. <laughs> and I know I'm going to have the sweet smell of victory after this mess is over. Mm. I'm so glad something's going to smell sweet. Well, the smell of arrogance, too. Watch out, Dusty caught the foot. Well, let's be realistic now, Tony. Uh, we got to admit that the model has the equipment and the ability to do it, too. Well, there's no question of that. Whether he could do it against this guy or not remains to be seen, but he's got a lot going for himself. Dusty is staying right at him. The model goes right to the forehead and with a rake to the eyes, gets the advantage. Dusty staggers down to one knee. The model trying to put something together here. Nicely done again. Sapphire doesn't like it at all. She's complaining to the referee. Right to the midsection. Going to work on the midsection. That could be the weak spot of the dream. Never know. Double axe handle blows. The dream is down, and Martel. Right after him again. He's going to work on the midsection again, and you're right. He's staying on one part now, the midsection of Dusty Rhodes. Dusty's getting back up, though. He was waiting on him, Gorilla. Certainly was. Caught him in midair, right downstairs in the bread basket. And another one of those elbows right between the eyes. Staggered the model to the corner. Dusty laying in the chops. And the fans right with him. Oh, the referee gets shut down. No, the model's got arrogance. Look out. Well, right in the eyes. Right in the eyes is right. Oh, my goodness. He's blinded. And that arrogance went right in the eyes. Whoa! 